The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Some of you may not know, but 20% of our general funds right off the top go straight to missions. So uh, we're blessed. We we believe in supporting missions. And in addition to that, we send numerous folks to the field short term. Right now, we support 30 families in 17 nations. So to God be the glory, great things he's done. And... uh, we say that really to honor him, and all that is headed up and watched over, and uh, Chase Bowers has been a tremendous shepherd to our missionaries on the field, and he's done a great job in mobilizing young people. We had a missions conference this week with about 100 of us there, the majority of them college students, and it was really neat to see them participating and think about what God's going to do. So open your Bibles to Luke 10, is that right? That's, That's where right. you're going to have them. Yeah. And uh, would you welcome Chase Bowers in his East Texas accent to TBC? I started to say this morning, good morning, welcome to Temple Bible Church, but I just don't sound as good as Stephen. Mark Rojas wanted me to let you guys know, uh, men, our men's conference last weekend in January, you can pick up brochures right in front of the church office and register. This is a great time. It's a great time. Well, there is a fatherless epidemic in America, and we're going to talk about that this morning. Before I do, I want to tell you a little bit about my family. So... This is my family. That's me and Jeb next to me, who we adopted from Rwanda. There's my daughter, Maddie Grace, my son, Nate, and my wife, Laura. So that's a family picture. This is what we actually look like most of the time, though. (laughs) See, about, about five years ago, a little bit longer, God really began to wrestle with me and Laura. Um, We we were a family that was pro-life, so that impacted how we voted impacted our, our check once or twice a year. But we began to realize and see, you know, if we're going to be pro-life, what that means is that a lot of children from moms who choose not to abort, they're going to come into a fatherless family, into a hard circumstance. So how can we, how can we step out a little more with this? I mean, for us, for us, the answer was adoption. For us, the answer was adoption, and we praise God for that. It's been good for us. There's a fatherless epidemic in America. You can see on your bulletin. The stats are sobering and the implications for society are staggering. It's into broken humanity that Jesus came to make His dwelling. And so as His people, His church, we have the opportunity to bring love and light to a fatherless generation. Last Saturday night, I was on the phone, texting back and forth, having a conversation with a young man whose life is broken. Living with a young lady who's not his wife, and a brand new baby that he was choosing to parent. That's a good thing. They made a bold and brave choice to not abort that child. And now this young man was, was making a bold and brave choice in the midst of a broken life to parent. So that's good news. I'm going to give you the back story on that. About two and a half weeks before, my wife and I got a, got a call from our adoption agency. Um, that there was a couple in another part of the state that was choosing adoption for their child. And so 
We made preparations, took our kids last Thursday to my wife's parents to stay while we went over to complete our adoption. And so we had talked with the birth parents about the name for the child, and we had picked one. And then Friday morning, we got a text saying, she's here. Come see her. So we went from the hospital waiting room down to the nursery and saw a beautiful, beautiful little baby girl. Little dimples, curly hair. It's gorgeous. And so we, so we, we named her. And then we held her, and things were going really, really smoothly. And then Saturday evening, we talked to the caseworker, and she says, Okay, tomorrow morning, you guys be at the hospital about 1030 and, and we'll complete this. They'll sign papers, you'll sign papers. Then we got another call. About two hours later, and said, you know, things have changed. And, and this couple has chosen to parent. And so, so we cried. Um, might shock you by how well I'm holding it together this morning. Huh. So we cried. We called our kids, cried with them. Then we, we just sent a text that said, we want to bless you guys in the name of Jesus. We pray God provides for you, takes care of you, and we want grace and peace for you guys. Because it was a good, bold, and brave choice that they were making. And I was scheduled to speak about fatherlessness in America this week. So it fit right in to what we were doing. So we went home and we we began to weep and talk about this as a family. So I wanted to share that with you just to know kind of where this comes from this morning. God has a heart for the fatherless. He's got a heart for the fatherless. I'm not going to spend a ton of time giving you the biblical defense of God's heart for the fatherless this morning because it's just all throughout the Scripture. Just look at three verses. Exodus 22:22. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. Deuteronomy 10.18, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Isaiah 1.17, that, that chapter is spent with God rebuking His people for their sin. And when He tells them to do good, the first thing He says is learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Over and over and over, God spoke this to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. Oftentimes, it would be connected in passages that spoke against adultery and idolatry. God hates that. Here's what He loves. Care for the fatherless, the widow, the sojourner among you. It was a national issue. Not only because there were implications for these most vulnerable in society, but there were implications for society as a whole. And God's people were to be different from the nations of the earth. Where 
widows and orphans were left over and left out. He's got implications for us as well, I believe. See, when you think about the fatherless in America, when you think about the fatherless in America, the stats are crazy. But those statistics represent souls that Jesus died for. 400,540 children in the foster system in the United States. 115,000 waiting to be adopted. The average wait that they spend is two years going from house to house to house or sometimes institution to institution to institution. 27,000 children age out of the foster system each year. And of those 27,000 that age out, a third of them are going to end up incarcerated. A third of them are going to end up abusing drugs. A third of them are going to end up in welfare. Some of them are going to end up institutionalized. But it's, it's not just through the foster system that we need to think about because that word in the Old Testament for fatherless, sometimes translated orphan, because of the context it's in, and certainly it means orphan many, many times. But literally, it's, it's the word yatom. It means one without a father. It means one without a father. Which really, some of the heroes in our body are single moms who are working their tails off to raise kids by themselves. And this matters to me because when I look at these statistics, when I look at these statistics, I think about myself. Children without a father in the home, 90% of homeless and runaway children from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of alcoholic uh, or adolescent patients in chemical treatment centers lack a father. Children in fatherless homes have earlier and more frequent sexual activity. Dramatically greater risk of drug abuse. 11 times more likely to be violent in school than those with a mother and a father in the home. Dramatically greater risk of being involved in violent crime. And when I see that number, I just think that could have been me. That could have been me. The night before Valentine's Day, 1986, I was 11 years old. It was a school night, and my mom took my sister and myself to stay with an aunt and uncle. And we just didn't, never spent the night with folks on school nights, and we really didn't understand why. And woke up the next morning, could hear my mom crying in the next room, my sister crying, and my dad had, had taken off. Happy Valentine's Day. Love, love my dad, got a good relationship with him now. But then he left. He took off, and for the next three or four years, I just grew in anger and frustration. My grades dove. I fought a lot at school. Um, and, and then I had an uncle who just came along and kind of played a mentoring role but spent a ton of time with me. He built houses on the side of his other job and he'd take me to build houses with him and pay me a little bit. And I always wondered, why in the world does he do this? I keep breaking sledgehammers and messing things up. And he just loved me. And eventually said, look, I, I'm going to be your dad, son. Some of you, your grandparents, your uncles, your aunts. And you're loving on kids that way. Some of you have a great opportunity to do that. 
See, these statistics aren't numbers. They're people. They're people. What, what, are, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about this? I think a good model for us is Jesus. He set in motion our adoption as His sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of the Father through His death and resurrection. So I think John 1 gives us a good model that I want to talk about. And then we're going to go to Luke 11. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And it says that the Word, the eternal Word, the Son of the Father, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He tabernacled among us. He came to be one of us. And we've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now when we think about incarnational ministry or getting in the lives of fatherless children, what is, what is that going to look like? For us. What is that going to look like for us? Well, what did it look like for Jesus? He was going to a place that was not his home. It was not safe. It wasn't very nice. The people he came to rejected him. The people he hung out with were not as nice as, say, the Father and the Spirit he had hung out with for eternity past. It was difficult. It didn't look or feel successful sometimes. It cost him esteem. He laid aside his privileges. It cost him comfort. It cost him respect. He was often misunderstood. People tried to deceive him. People lied about him. People wanted to use his power and manipulate him for their own selfish desires. And Ultimately, it cost him his life. It cost him his life. But here's the reality. That it was also the path to resurrection and to bringing many sons to glory. To bringing many sons and daughters into the Father's house. So, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, we could think this morning, well, we just need to talk to those deadbeat dads. I'm going to do that for a little bit, but that's actually not the answer. See, I want to tell you, you might be in this room, you might be thinking about somebody at work that maybe treats you a little bit better than you get treated at home in your opinion. You may be flirting You may be in an emotional affair or you may be in an adulterous relationship right now. And what you're thinking is, this isn't going to be a big deal. This is going to be okay. My kids are going to be okay. You're a fool. And you need to stop and repent right now. This will impact your kids. It will impact your family. My parents divorced 27 years ago. I had a conversation with one of my kids about it this week. Why did this happen, Dad? See, I was fortunate because that uncle was there. He was there and he was such a man of God. But I was the minority. We can talk about those deadbeat dads, but here's the reality. 
Those deadbeat dads need to hear the truth that I just spoke. But for us, Jesus, when he comes back, he's not going to go, man, could you believe those deadbeat dads? I'm glad you knew they were messing up. Well, one of the phrases that we use for people who end up on drugs and incarcerated and teen pregnant and they're on the system, I've heard people say the plagues of society. Isn't that an odd phrase to use about people made in the image of God? I wonder if Jesus would would have worded it that way. Probably not. And when when he comes back, I bet he's not going to go, hey, could you believe all those plagues of society? But, But maybe he'll ask. Maybe he'll ask the church, were you faithful to the afflicted? Were you faithful to the helpless? Did you care for the widow, for the fatherless, for the sojourner among you? Maybe he'll ask us that. Because when you think about complaining about problems, how does, how does that work out? How does that work out? We've all been cl- complaining about the government since, I don't know, well before the 1700s, right? And we keep complaining and they just shut down, you know? It, it, it doesn't... Complaining about things doesn't fix them. So we can complain about it, but that just really doesn't work out. So what do we do? What do we do? we got three options. We're going to talk about those options from Luke chapter 10. Gary's been talking about parables the last couple of weeks and how God used the parables to reveal things to some and to hide things to others. And so my prayer this morning is that God would open our hearts, that He'd open our minds, He'd open our eyes, He'd open our ears to hear what the good option is. Behold, the teacher of the law stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So that means just the way that you care for yourself, you would care for your neighbor. And trying to justify himself, he said, right, but, but who is my neighbor? I mean, really, can't help everybody. Who's my neighbor? So Jesus, like he often did, replied with a story. He loved telling stories. He said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers. See, we read that, and we think, okay, a guy was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. But in the first century in Israel, people would have known. You don't go by yourself on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a part of town you wouldn't go to at night. The guy was on the wrong road. He had made a poor choice. And it says, He fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, and now leave, they left him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. So you may be familiar with that word if you grew up in church. You know what it is. If you didn't, a Samaritan. They were half Jew, half Gentile, and they were outcast. Jews didn't like them. They weren't pure. They weren't good. They were a separate people, and they were looked down upon. And Jesus said, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. 
He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii. That's two days' wages. He gave him to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. See, he was on the wrong road and religious people just walked on by. There are two reasons that might have caused that Levite and that priest to just walk on by. So we're going to talk about both of those reasons for a little bit. First reason is just pride. Just pride. That's a Samaritan and I'm a priest. I'm not going near that guy. He's not clean. You know what? He took this road and he knew better. It was the wrong road. Whatever happened to him is not my fault and it's not my responsibility. He can take care of himself. Let's, let's contrast that with this picture. Our sins are not Jesus' fault. But he said, I'll take responsibility for those. While we were still ungodly, God showed his love us in this, that Christ died for us. And the reality is if the robbers didn't hit us, it's just by the grace of God. So if you're sitting there thinking, nah, this isn't my fault and it's not my responsibility, then repent. That's not the way we ought to think. Your ears are closed to what God wants to say to you and you're missing it. You're just missing it. Maybe it's not pride, maybe it's just fear. Maybe that guy had it coming. Why in the world? I don't want to go over there. What's he going to do to me? I'm just afraid. Listen, when we think about the fatherless and ministering to them, a level of fear is appropriate because it's costly and it's messy. But you can't let your, your fears paralyze you. Your fears can keep you from being all that God wants you to be. Don't be paralyzed by them. We've got some great, great opportunities I'm going to talk about to minister to the fatherless. I'm going to tell you about one of them that some of our students do. We've got students that go to BCYC and they work with kids each week. And we've got some students that they go over to one of the government housing projects and statistically about 90% of those kids don't have a father in their home and so they bring them back to the outback and they teach them Bible stories. They feed them. They love on them. And I was privileged to go a couple of weeks ago. I didn't have anything going on that Tuesday night, so I went because we, we send our daughter Maddie. She goes and she loves working there with them. And so, so that night I could tell something was bugging her when we got in the car to leave. And I said, what's wrong? And she told me about this brother and sister that, that she was helping out with. And she said their mom's single and they live with their grandma in the apartment, and their grandma got mad, and so she kicked them out this afternoon. It's 50 degrees and raining, Dad. So I said, well, what do you, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? She said, well, the security guard will be there at 8, so he'll either talk to their grandma and make her let them back in, or he'll help them get a shelter. 
I said, okay, well, what did you do? So she said, I just asked that mom if I could pray with her. Pretty good dad moment. Um, I said, that's good, but when I was driving home, what was going through my mind is really, that's, you know, that's a lot for my 13-year-old to bear. But, but she bore it by the grace of God, and she'll keep bearing it by the grace of God. Great, great opportunities there. But I've got to tell you, sometimes when we say to people that our daughter goes and ministers there, ministers there, people will look at us like we got seven eyes going across our forehead. Like, you're just crazy. And listen, I'm crazy, but not because of that. And I don't ever say this back, but what I want to say is, I might be, but you're afraid. You're just afraid. See, one of the things that we pray at our house often is, God, make us into the sort of people for whom the power and the presence and the promises of God are greater than the obstacles that we face. Don't you want to be that sort of person? Oh God, make us the sort of people for whom the power and the presence and the promises of God are greater than the problems we face. I was reminded of that as Sunday or Monday when we were sitting together as a family crying. One of the things that my wife and I said to our kids, we were just reeling. We said, you know guys, We don't know if we're going to do this again. We don't know if we're going to put you through this again. And our son, Nate, um, to say that he wears his feelings on his sleeve would be the understatement of the year. He goes, what? (laughs) And so he just, he starts tearing up and he goes, we're not quitting. We're not quitting because this got difficult, Dad. See, we want to be the sort of people for whom the power and the presence and the promises of God are greater than the obstacles we face. Well, obviously, that day I wasn't that sort of person. I wasn't being that guy, so I'm not telling you we got it together. I'm telling you what we're moving toward. What we're moving toward. So how do we do it? How do we show compassion to these people who are on the wrong road? And most of them are on the wrong road because they've grown up without a positive male influence. We hear Jesus' words. We see His life and we go and do likewise. We go and do likewise. Well, how in the world can you do it? How can you do it? In your bulletin, there are lots of things you can do. There are lots of things you can do. Now, the first is, is this. You can be a court-appointed special advocate. Or to shorten that, that's a CASA. Well, what in the world's a CASA? For kids stuck in the foster system, there are some godly, godly families who are doing foster care and foster to adopt. You're going to hear from one in just a minute. But then, just, there are people who foster kids so they can get extra money. That's evil. So a court-appointed special advocate isn't a foster parent, is not in the biological family, they don't have a dog in the hunt, so to speak. And a court-appointed special advocate says, 
I'll come alongside the court and I'll spend time finding out what's in the best interest of this child. I'll work to find out what's in the best interest of this child. Take a few of your hours and give to that and kids will end up on a better road and a better place with better options. Well, that's great, but how do we do that? I don't know how to do that. I'm glad you asked. It's right there in your bulletin. You can... You can call Lisa Wilkerson, there's a number, or you can go to texascasa.org or right out in the lobby today. Casa's here. You can get information, sign up to get trained to be a court-appointed special advocate for the thousands of kids in the foster system in Texas. That's the first thing you can do. second thing you can do is you can foster or adopt. You can foster or adopt. Right, 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 God's not calling us to that. Listen, I'm a, I'm a missions pastor. I talk to people about going to the nation, so I've heard that line more than you can imagine. God might not be calling you to that, or you might just be scared. Now, I don't think God's calling everybody in this body to foster and adopt. I don't think it's anywhere over 80%, okay? <laughs> That's not funny. But, but here's the thing. Have you, have you prayed? Have you just said, what's the worst thing that could happen, Right? God could call you down a path of obedience that costs you your life and affects others in an amazing way and brings glory to Him. Have you just said, God, God, are we supposed to do this? God, are we supposed to do this? You want to foster or foster to adopt? We've got two organizations out there. You can go see Skeeta Jenkins or Lisa Giacosin or you can go see Tara Smith at Arrow. They'd love to share with you what it looks like to start fostering or adopting. But listen, there's that 20% of you who are not called to that, okay? So, so what do we do? What do we do? You can mentor young men and women growing up without a father. Spend a couple hours a week, a couple hours every two weeks with them. A couple of ways you can do that. You can contact Dave Tate, Tim Cartwright. They'll connect you with kids who need some love. Or you can go on the website, it's in your bulletin for Wildcat Mentors. It's two hours a month spending time with kids at lunch. Trying to be a positive influence, trying to encourage them, love on them. One of our elders, Mike O'Neill, has done this with a young man. Great to see the relationship that occurred there. Great opportunity there. A couple of other things you can do. You as a small group or you as a family, you might see single moms who are just slugging it out, working hard. Love on them, surround them, be the church to them. Minister to them. We got home Saturday night at 1.30 in the morning to half a dozen cake donuts that said Jesus is better on them. See, we hadn't even made it home and the church had started loving us. And there was dinner the next night, dinner the next night. Finally, we had to call somebody and say, hey, don't, don't bring food. We got, we got too much. The families are adopting. They're single moms slugging it out. Be creative. Be creative. And ask, ask yourself this question. Close your eyes and ask, how does the rule and reign of God in my life move me to love these people? 
How does a rule and reign, that's the kingdom of God in my life, move me to love these people? And the last thing that you can do if you want to be involved in TBC's Global Orphan Care Initiatives, we do global orphan care. We do it through the local church. We want to give them ownership. We're going to encourage them to adopt, them to foster, them to care for orphans. Our sister churches in Ukraine, they, they have about 10 weeks of camp. One of their camps is set aside for the fatherless. If you want to send a Ukrainian orphan to camp with our churches... See, the church takes them to camp and then ideally they get plugged in in the church and they grow in the church and they're surrounded by the church. You can make checks to TBC, Ukrainian Orphan Care. You stick them in the box. 50 or 100 bucks, 25 bucks to go a long way to minister to those kids. In Rwanda, our sister churches are identifying orphans who don't have their school fees paid. Maybe, they, maybe their father's dead. They live with their mom. Maybe both parents are dead. They live with an older sibling and they can't afford to go to school. These sister churches are taking care of their school fees. Make checks to TBC, Rwanda Orphan Care. Great opportunity to love the fatherless abroad. Lots of ways that you can be involved. But indifference is not an option. Indifference is not an option. Now, if I ask the question, we're in church, so y'all have to answer yes to this. How many of you would say, I want to be like Jesus? Sure, that's the right answer. We're in church. My, my wife sent me a quote this week. Asked this question. Is there anything you would rather be in this life than the means of others having life through your dying? Because isn't that what it means to be like Jesus? Is there anything you would rather be in this life than the means of others having life through your dying? The way Paul said it is offering our bodies as living sacrifices. See, because death is the path to resurrection and it's the path to bringing many sons to glory. Sons and daughters of the King. There are a lot of families that are slugging it out, doing great work. One of my favorites... Or Rob and Lori Zier. Rob, won't you come up? You guys give him a welcome as he comes. I told the early service, I got lots of favorite people, but Rob is easily in my top thousand. <laughs> now, here's Rob's family. After a color run, Rob, won't you tell us about you and Lori, and why you guys chose to foster and adopt. Sure will, thanks. Um, yeah, after the first service, um, I was told I was supposed to give the clean picture and not the dirty picture, but um, Lori, she said, you weren't supposed to send that. But This is my family. Um, it's me and Kira in the middle and Lori, and then down below Lori is Macy and then Olivia and Tatum, and then I'm holding a little bear that we got in August. But... Um, Lori and I, uh, we met in college, and, you know, shortly after we met and early in our, when we were married, you know, she shared, well, uh, my parents adopted me as a child, and she felt blessed from that, and so she said, I want to adopt, you know, as we get older and so forth, and, and I said, well, that's great, because I want 13 kids, so, <laughs> so it's definitely, you know, God had his hand in bringing us together, because neither one of us ran away after that point, but... So, um, you know, we, uh, we'd been married about 12 years, moved here to Temple, and um, 
we were sitting around one day and we started talking about it again. And so we haven't we haven't done anything. Well, it's it's time to do something. And uh, at that time, you could go to a, a meeting held by CPS and just learn the process of what you have to do. And so we went to that, and then we chose an agency to represent us. And uh, that was six years ago. We got licensed to foster. And we chose to do the foster adopt system to where you get children. And then as if the parents' rights, the biological parents' rights are, are terminated, then you have an option to adopt that child. And so through that blessing, we were able to adopt Olivia, who's with the sunshades there in the middle at the bottom. And so we've been doing that ever since. Amen. Now, Rob, you, uh, you're kind of a man's man. you got the shaved head. A beard that I couldn't grow with Miracle Grow, broad-shouldered guy there. <laughs> and you know it's interesting because right now there, some of you guys, you're sitting in your your chair and you're thinking, oh God, don't let her elbow me. <laughs> this is this is typically it's typically a cause that women kind of move to quicker than men, which is so odd because the issue is fatherlessness. So Rob, what what would you say to men? They're nervous. They're thinking, I don't know if I can do this. What, what would you say? Well, just, uh, you know, you guys, y'all saw the statistics that, that Chase put up there. And um, just to bring it down on more of a personal basis, we, we were meeting with our uh, CPS caseworker this past week. And um, something that's been placed on our hearts is um, adopting older children. And so we hope to do that at some point. So anyway, I was just visiting with the caseworker, and I said, well, what percent of your caseload is kids 10 and up? And she said about 40. And then she kind of got uh, emotional, and she said, but you know, of those 40%, only one is emotionally stable and ready to go to a family. Mm-hmm. The others, they, they're just not there. That, and she said, I wish that they had someone stable, a loving and protective family that they could go to when they were four, five, and six, eight years old, but they didn't. And so that's where men, men of faith particularly, we have a role and we have a calling, and that's where we can provide, and we can provide that God's love. It's, it's amazing what impact you make, whether it be a son or a daughter, you show a son what it's like to treat a woman as your wife, you know, the holy bride, and you show a daughter what it is, what type of person can be the leader of the family. Mm. And so the impact that you make is, is, it's amazing. And so just to coin, you know, the, the, the movie Courageous, you know, where are you men of faith? It's time to step up. Mm. And, uh, there's probably some of you in the audience that, that your wives want to talk about it, and maybe you're too busy and you don't want to, but where are you? It's time to step up. And Rob, one last question. Tell us how God's blessed your family through adoption. Well, there's, um, you know, the, the blessings that you receive are just amazing. From just like this morning, after I got little bear dressed, he immediately puked on me and him, and so... <laughs> If you, if you come close to me, you'll have a little cologne smell that I have. That, um, but, you know, little things, just the wonderful blessings, the silly questions, just the unconditional love that you receive. Um, 
And another thing, too, is uh, before we got Bear, we had uh, a child that we got when he was three weeks old. Uh, we got him in February, and he went back to family in August. And, you know, one thing that I've heard and many people have said, and I said myself, was I can never foster. I can never do that, you know, because it would be too hard on me or my family for a child to be taken away. And it is. But probably the biggest blessing we got was God's love, and we're still here. Our children are still here. Uh, we were able to make an impact in a child's life mm -hmm. during those important mm -hmm. developmental times. And do we still grieve and cry? Yeah, we still do. It, it was hard, but, you know, we have another one. And hopefully we'll have him forever. But if not, you know, I was talking to Mossy earlier, and she said, it's funny because Satan always overplays his hand, and God's there to counteract it. And, mm. and I believe that, and we're blessed by that. Amen. Amen. I'm glad to know that you cry too. That makes me feel a little bit better. But Rob, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for us as a body. Rob and I are going to be up here for a few minutes. You got questions? You want to talk? You want to pray? We, we'd love to visit with you. Let's pray. God, thank you for the Zeers. Um, and God, really thank you for the representatives they are of lots of families in this church in a variety of ways. They're loving, fatherless children. And God, I pray that we as a body in all kinds of roles would reach out to the fatherless in our community. That we'd love well. That we would hurt with them. That we'd serve well. That it would cost us much. And that the reward of knowing you through that would be greater. And God, I pray that in 15 years temple looks different. And that there are young men and women in this city that look back on their life and think, oh God, I was headed down such an awful road, but that family at TBC, they stepped in as a casa for me. That uncle or grandpa became my dad. They adopted me. This guy mentored me. They loved my mom and made sure I had clothes to wear and shoes to put on and food to eat. Gotta pray that with that prayer is just echoing across our community one day. Because we as your people would choose to be the means of others' life through dying to ourselves and surrender and community and mission with you. In Jesus' name, amen.